Good morning. I'm Jason Davis. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Charleston Baptist. Uh, thank you for being with us this morning to, to worship with us. Uh, uh, as we sing that song, uh, one of the things I think about is, is it a glorious day of the second coming of Christ? It is for those that are believers. Those that are in Christ, it will be such a glorious day. But oh, what a day of mourning and weeping and gnashing of teeth for those that are not in Christ. It is an amazing song that we get to praise him and worship him. But our Savior is coming again. And, uh, and one of the things I love about as we have been going through the book of Ecclesiastes, that's where we'll be this morning, uh, we are continuing our study through the book of Ecclesiastes, it has reminded me of this very truth, of the glory of Christ, of the glory of being in him. Because I'll be honest, as we have started this study through Ecclesiastes, my, my perception of the book of Ecclesiastes, as, as uh, I have read it before, my thought was always, man, this is such a sad book, right? This is such a depressing book to read. Like, we need to be careful about who we kind of give this letter over to. You got to be careful who you recommend. Hey, read the book of Ecclesiastes. You're like, whoa, whoa. You got to know some more theology before you get into it. But what I've learned is, oh, it's such a beautiful picture. It's such a glorious picture of God's, uh, of, the, of the truth that God reveals to us. What amazing truth it has been to, to study through this book as Pastor Kevin has preached and now I get to opportunity. We're in, uh, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We're going to be looking at uh, 12 through 26. So if you don't have a Bible with you, we'd love for you to take one of these. Uh, it uh, should be one uh, close to you under the seat in front of you. And it's going to be on page 617. Uh, and that's where we'll be this morning. So the book of Ecclesiastes, we're going to read through uh, our verses uh, this morning and then we'll, we'll jump into it. So I turned to consider, this is Ecclesiastes 2.12. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly, as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will also happen, happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I say, said in my heart that this also is vanity. For of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance. See that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise, die, how the wise dies just like the fool. So I hated life. Because what, un, what is done under the sun was grievous to me. For all is vanity and a striving after the wind. I hated all my toil in which I toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who comes after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool, yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and use my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has told with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. 
What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw, I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given, given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us this word that it may very, be very hard to digest. It may be very hard to read at some point. But Father, I pray, Lord, that we would see the clarity of your word that we would see the beauty of your word. We would see the truth that you have given us through your word. Father, thank you for this time that we have gathered together. May you be honored. May you be glorified. May we have the ears to hear and Lord put into action what you are teaching us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So as I've studied this, one of the things I've thought about is the, there's a comparison here. And when we look at the book of Proverbs, uh, things are much simpler. If, you, if you've read the book of Proverbs, which I highly suggest doing, it's one of the things that I'm doing right now with my son. We're going through the book of Proverbs, and we're taking a proverb and walking through it. And there's a lot of things there. And, and it, it sp- spells out the, the truth and, and some really amazing things from God's Word. But one of the things about the book of Proverbs is that it's very black and white. It's very right and wrong. It's very clear, you do this, it is good. You do this, this is bad. You hang out with the sinners, you're going to reap destruction. You, You are righteous, you'll get good. But what about when life doesn't always work out like the book of Proverbs? Like these Proverbs are truth. They are the very word of God. They are truth. And it is not to discredit that, but we know that life is a little more complex than that, right? That life is a little bit harder than just, I've done good and I will get good, right? That we see in our own lives, from our own life experience, that it's a little more difficult than that. Just think about your own life or maybe some of the lives that you have been around that have impacted your life. Uh, for, for me, I, I think about my, my youth pastor growing up. Uh, his name was Robbie. He was an amazing man. He loved Jesus. He loved preaching the word of God. He was an amazing preacher. He impacted my life in many, many ways, more than I could even tell you this morning. But one of the things that happened as he was preaching, guess what? He found out he had cancer. And we were praying for him. And he was young, and he had four kids, and he loved his kids. He, he was devoted to his wife. Again, he had on the, on the column of good, good things, man, he had that column filled out pretty good. But yet, he had to endure cancer. And then finally, his body could take it no longer, and the Lord called him home. And he had four young kids and a wife that adored him. And it was in those kind of moments, you're like, God, that, that's not fair. That's not right. Life shouldn't be that way. This guy was awesome. 
He loved you. He did all these great works. He all these great deeds. He preached the word of God. He loved his wife. He loved his kids. And it didn't turn out the way we expected. How do we handle things like that? Or what about the reverse of that? That you maybe have this neighbor or a coworker or a family member or someone you know that they're just an awful person. Like by worldly standards and by biblical standards. And when you think of them, you think, now that's an awful person. I don't want to be like them. Or I do not want to hang out with that person because they're just terrible. Every time you're around them, they just bring you down. They're just an awful person. But yet then they live long life or they prosper. You're like, that's not fair. How has this happened? I've read the book of Proverbs. It's not supposed to be like this. The righteous are supposed to get the good. And the evil are supposed to get the bad. Why is life more complex than that? that? And that's the beauty. That's the majesty of God's wisdom. As he tells us in the book of Proverbs, this is how you are to live. This is wisdom. This is how you should live life. And then he gives us Ecclesiastes and comes along and says, but life doesn't always turn out the way we expect. And that's one of the things that I am learning through the study of the book of Ecclesiastes. And we see in the book of Ecclesiastes, the, it is the preacher that we're learning from at the very beginning. Uh, at the beginning, it says the word of the preacher, the words of the preacher. And so uh, there's different thoughts on who this preacher is, this person is. But it really, as we read through the, the book, it really seems like this is, is coming from Solomon near the end of his life. And that's one of the things we, we get to see is this man has experienced a lot of things. What's been cool as I've studied through this is just through the daily course of life over these past few weeks is I've seen how applicable uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is and how over and over I'm again, again I see, man, it, how life is, it is very indicative of how we see in, in this book. And so we hear the words of this man and specifically thinking about Solomon and how he tests wisdom. And, and last week we had Pastor Kevin talk about wisdom and toil. And guess what we're going to talk about this week? We're going to talk about wisdom and toil because guess what? Solomon, he sought out wisdom. He sought, at, sought it out and found out, guess what? It was vanity. It was vanity of vanities. It was striving after the wind. Uh, it was done under the sun. And he saw it was in the end, it was vanity. And I love this word vanity. Uh, this, this vanity, hevel, uh, is, is, I guess how you, I don't know Hebrew, but that's what I hear is pronounced like hevel. But it's this idea of a, a breath or a vapor that is temporary. Now think about, I, I like coffee. Does anybody else like coffee? I, I like coffee. But when I take my lid off of my hot coffee, you see the, the vapor that comes up from the coffee. And I think about uh, hevel like that in the sense of it's real, it's there in front of me. I can see it come up, but as soon as you move your hand toward it, it's completely gone and there's nothing in your hand. But it is a reality. And, and, and that's kind of what it's talking about here. And hevel or vanity uh, in the book of Ecclesiastes can have different connotations depending on where it's located in, in the book. And we see that there are points where uh, some translations uh, translate it as vanity. Some translate it as meaningless. But this idea that it is there for a short time or what is the point? So one of the questions I want you to think about, and I, I'm really not trying to bring the mood down, but I, I think we need to be serious for a minute of why bother? Have you ever thought about that? 
Why bother? Why bother doing the job you're doing? Why bother having kids? Why bother doing yard work? Why bother cleaning your clothes? Why bother? One of the things that we have to ask ourselves is why bother? And then what is our meaning? What is our purpose? One of the greatest things that you and I could do in life is understand and know and live out our purpose in life. If we understand and know our purpose in life, it will solve so many different problems. It will keep us from the wrong path and it will push us toward doing the things that we know we should be doing. So why bother? And that's one of the things I, I, I really think in our passage this morning, it helps explain of why do we bother with anything? Why do we bother with the, the wisdom? Why do we bother with toil or work? Well, let's move on. So we look in uh, that wisdom. Uh, we're going to look at uh, section or passages 12 through 15. And we see wisdom is better, but death but ends in death. Again, I know that's not like, woohoo, I'm glad I came to church today. Um, but it gets better, I promise, it gets better. But wisdom is better, but still ends in death. Listen to what he says, so, uh, verse 12. So I turn to consider wisdom and madness and folly. And so again, he has already talked about that early. Now he's comparing wisdom with madness and folly. For what can the man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. He's saying, I, I, I've been working, I, I've, I've told, I've, I, I've, I've gotten wisdom, and I don't know who's coming after me. I don't know how. And he explains that a little bit further. And then, uh, verse 13, Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly as there is more gain in light than in darkness. And I love the comparison. Wisdom is compared to light, and darkness is compared to folly. And he's saying there is purpose there. That it's not a reading the book of Ecclesiastes, isn't it? Throw your hands up and do whatever you want. Live a hedonistic lifestyle. Do whatever you want to do. Or like our culture likes to say is, you do you. Or you do what makes you happy. No, 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 no. That's not what, what Ecclesiastes, that's not what the preacher is telling us here. It's not you just do you or that you just do whatever makes you happy. No, he's saying, no, there's still great, there's great value in wisdom. That it is better to live in wisdom. Basically, it is better to live in the light than in the darkness. I think about that illustration of likeness and darkness and, and living in, in the comparison of the two. Uh, for me, there are some times where uh, it's at night and, and all the lights have been turned off, all the kids are in their room, but I have forgotten something in the kitchen. And so you know what I try to do? I'm like, I know my house, right? I know where everything is. And so I'm going to make it from my bedroom to the kitchen to get whatever I needed and get back, but I'm not going to turn anything on because I'm a man and I can do it, right? I, I see some of you, some of you are like, yeah, I did that before, it didn't work out, right? But I walked in the darkness and, and I thought I knew everything was there, but I forgot that the kids had left their, their Hot Wheels on the floor. And guess what? Hot Wheels on a barefoot doesn't feel great, right? I was blind. I, I thought I knew everything. And many of us live life like that. That we're in the darkness and we think we know everything, but then we step and like, ow, oh, man, that really hurt. Ow, I just stubbed my toe. I thought the ottoman wasn't so big and now my toe is really killing me, you know? And so it's better to live in the light. 
And, and again, the preacher is, is saying here that Solomon is saying here is that I have searched out wisdom and I have compared the two. I've seen what it is to live in folly. I've seen what it is to live in wisdom and wisdom is better. And wisdom is better. But the wisdom uh, the wise person has his eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. And yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Man, this is kind of a downer. Solomon, you just said it was good, but though it is better, guess what happens to all of us? In the end, death comes. In the end, death comes. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will also will happen to me also. Why then have I been so wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. He said, I've strived, I've gained, I've worked hard to get wisdom, and now I'm going to die just like the fool is going to die. I'm going to die. I've, I've been wise. I've lived a life of wisdom, and now I'm going to die just like the fool, though he has lived a foolish life. And he said, that's, that's vanity. How can this be? This doesn't make sense. That this is uh, the complexity of life. That we, we, if we live according to, to wisdom, then it should go well with us. But yet death comes for us all. But the beauty of the word of God is that, especially where we stand, is that we got all of God's word. We got all of his revelation. And so in 1 Corinthians 15, in 15, uh, 56, it says this, The sting of death is sin. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That there is victory for you and me in Christ. So this thing that comes for all of us, that it doesn't have to weight us down. We don't have to worry about it because we have victory in Christ. This is the beautiful message of the gospel. Is that it is vanity. It's to seek a wise life without the, the love of Christ. To be able to be a, a wise person with your money, to be a wise person with your health, to be a wise person with your, with your life and your relationships. There is blessing in that. Again, that's the beauty of God and how gracious he is. That he's willing to say, if you live this way, whether you love me or not, it is going to be better for you. Think about that. If we live his word and we live out his principles, it is still good for us but yet it is vanity without Christ. That's what it ultimately comes down to. It is vanity without Christ. But thanks be to God who gives us victory. Victory over what? Victory over death. The sting of death. Death no longer has that sting for you and me. In Christ that we have been victorious over that because of what Jesus has done. Because of the glorious day that awaits us. And then it gets a little bit more darker. Verse 16 and 17, he says, uh, the main point there is that no one will remember me. And I kind of want to have some tears right now because, I mean, this is a pretty sad moment in Solomon's point of existence. That no one will remember me. Think about that for a second. That we say no one will remember me, but yet we remember Solomon. Or no one will remember me, but we remember different historical figures throughout uh, history. But think about that for a second. How many people have lived and we have no clue who they are? Think about for a second is that how many people 
that you are related to that you don't even know who they are. Great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents. Maybe some of you like know their name or you know where they live, but how, how well do you know them, right? We won't be remembered. And, and that can be a very sad and depressing thought. Be, you know, Ecclesiastes uh, 2.16, this is for of the wise, as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance. He's saying, again, the wise is better than the fool, but yet the wise will be forgotten like the fool. Again, the complexities of life is, how is this so? Why can this be? How can this be that the wise are going to be forgotten like the fool? How can they be in the same, same situation? And then he says, seeing that in, uh, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. How the wise dies just like the fool. In verse 17, so I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. See, it was done under the sun. There's a key phrase there. As you read through and as you study through the coming weeks, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, note, make notice of what is done under the sun. That is an important concept throughout this book. When it's done under the sun, that's talking about human effort, human wisdom, human striving. It's like trying to catch the wind with your hand. It's a pointless, meaningless effort to the point where Solomon even says that I hated life. Wait a minute, what kind of book are we reading this morning? Is this in the word of God? Absolutely, because this is what it ends. When we strive after our own human efforts, when we seek to glorify ourselves, when we seek to make our name great, then this is where it ultimately ends. That this is the beauty of the word of God that he has given us, is that we don't have to test all these things out. You don't have to maximize the amount of pleasure in, life, in your life to see that in the end, pleasure is meaningless. You don't have to maximize the amount of money and waste your life uh, gathering all the trinkets and all the amount of wealth that you can get up just to realize at the end of it to know that, oh, that was pointless. I missed the actually important thing. Because the word of God will tell us. He, he's trying to, to, to ward off that. He's trying to uh, step in before we even go down that path. This is vanity. All for all is vanity and striving after the wind. Look at Matthew. We're going to look at Matthew 10, 38 and 39. Because again, here's the flop. Here's how the gospel really changes everything. And whoever, this is Jesus, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. That even Jesus is saying that it's not going to always be easy. That Jesus never promised an easy life. He never promised us that it's all going to work out just the way you thought it was going to. That all of the complexities of life, I'm going to flatten them all out and life is going to be smooth and easy. No, he says, follow me. That life will be tough. Life will be rocky. Life will be unexplainable at points. But guess what? Trust me. Follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. And in 39, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is another one of those kind of oxymorons that we see in Scripture. 
where our natural tendency is to grab hold of life and hold it in a death grip. That this is my life. I'm going to do everything I can do to make sure my life is meaningful. I'm going to make sure I do, hold on to life with, uh, with everything I can, every strength that I have. But yet, it just kind of slips through our hands. It's kind of like having a death grip on jello. You hold it real tight and all it does is just squeeze on out, right? Because we really have to hold it with an open hand. That it's not ours. It is his. As believers, we walk with him. Our faith is in him. Our trust is in him. And he's the one that gives good gifts. We should not lose hope. But what this does is it should humble us. It should humble us to make, God, make sure that we make much of God and little of us. And when we reverse that, that is when we come to these verses, what we're talking about. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me. For all is vanity and a striving after the wind. Where's our mindset? If our mindset is on these earthly matters, this is where our heart will go to. Your heart will go where your focus and where your mind is. And if our heart is on these earthly things that are done under the sun and not on things above. See, Scripture always tells us to think of things above, things that are from Him. And our, our gaze should not be downward. It should not be on us, not at our navels, but it should be up toward Him. And it should be up toward Him. And we see this in Colossians 3 and Philippians 4, that think on things above. Whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is holy. Those are where our mindset should go. And then we see our, our next kind of step down. I know it's again, we, we went from wisdom is great, but it ends in death. And then we see that no one will remember me. But then we also, the next passage, we'll see that work is guess what? What is work? What is toil? Vanity. Yes, work is vanity. It's not a trick question. It is vanity, all right? So work is vain, vain and exhausting. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 2.18. I hated all my toil. Man. All right, it does get better. I'm, I promise you. It, it, this is a tough passage, but we're, we're getting there. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who comes after me and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool and this is a sad point for solomon he, he's saying i don't know the next one in line if all i've done think about your jobs that you may have poured your life and soul blood sweat and tears into this job and then you're thinking about who's coming behind you and who will take that mantle on and and, and move the ball forward and he's not excited about that thought. This is uh, in verse 19. And who knows whether he'll be wise or a fool, yet he will be master of all for which I told and use my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labor under the sun because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it this also is vanity and a great evil what has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toiled beneath the sun for all has all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation 
Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. Why bother? Why do you work? Why do I work? When I was thinking through this and praying through this, uh, one one thought came to my mind is um, we have two oak, big oak trees in our yard, and they drop a lot of leaves, and uh, we're constantly having to rake them up. And uh, so one of the things that is a blessing of having multiple children is uh, I have multiple rakes at our house. And I say, here, go. And uh, it, 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 it's, it's a work in progress. But my oldest, he's very capable. And so uh, he's out there and he's raking. And one of the things I thought about recently is what if he said, Dad, thank you for this rake. But vanity of vanities, I shall not rake today. Because this is vanity of vanities. This is a chasing after the leaf. And here you go, Dad. I, I, would, I would first applaud him because he listened. Um, but then I would also say, well, actually, son, we want to not do it under the sun, but we want to do it to the glory of God. And God has given us the dominion mandate as sons of Adam. And we are called to go and Edenize and and beautify the world around us. And guess what we get to do, son? We get to hold this rake in our hands and we get to make our yard a little more beautiful, a little more like Eden. So to the glory of God, take this rake and go rake the yard. Actually, I don't have that conversation with him, but that is the one that I had in my mind. I thought, like, man, that would be pretty awesome, right? But really, when we think about it, that raking, that monotonous thing that I do all the time, that my kids do all the time, is like, what's the point? Vanity of vanities. But guess what? Just like in the illustration, there is hope for all of our toil. There is hope for all of our work. Look what it says in Luke 12. Luke 12, this is uh, 12 through, uh, 13 through 21. The parable of the rich fool. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a time when Jesus is, uh, is going to share a parable. Verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That's important. That's important. Again, in regard to what we are learning in the book of Ecclesiastes, verse 16. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. Which to have plentiful was not a bad thing. But when he asks himself, what shall I do with my crops? Then there becomes the examination of the heart. There's where the heart comes to the surface. And let's see what he does. I will do this. I will tear down my barns. Though the scripture, though in the parable, there's no mention that these barns need to be torn down. Right? All right, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain my goods, and I will say to, to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Again, this is a picture of Ecclesiastes. 
But Jesus is telling, uh, telling this parable, and it really models and mimics and falls in line with what we are learning through Ecclesiastes. And here's the clincher in verse 21. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That death comes for us all. This rich man, he had laid up his treasure. He said, I had a good crop this year. You know what I'll do? Instead of giving, <coughs> instead of giving to others, instead of seeing how God wants me to use this, he says, no, this is mine. This is mine. I'll make my life easy. I'll eat, drink, and be merry, not to the glory of God, but to self-satisfaction. And it was vain. Why? Because of what Ecclesiastes tells us. That death comes to the wise and the fool, just like this man. And so Jesus says, so, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Where is your heart? Where's my heart? What do we value? Where do we lay up our treasures? Is it toward God? Is it rich toward him? In Colossians 3.23, again, thinking about why do I work? Why bother? with work. And I love this passage, one of my favorites. In Colossians 3:23, whatever you do, work heartily as for as for the Lord and not men. And this can be your foundation. Maybe you're in a job right now that seems vanity of vanities. That it is a meaningless, pointless job you feel like you're in right now. But I want to tell you that to the glory of God it doesn't have to be. Your job can have great purpose and great meaning. Whatever you do, whatever you do, no matter what job you're in right now, that it can be done to the glory of God. Moms that are staying at home, that are picking up clothes, that are washing clothes, and it feels like vanity of vanities, that you're constantly doing the same thing over and over and over again, but to the glory of God. Work as if you're working for the Lord and not men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. That's why we do what we do. And, that, and thinking about uh, 1 Corinthians, what we read earlier, 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 56 through 58. The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through Our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Is this a contradictory? Is what we're learning in Ecclesiastes and then what we see in 1 Corinthians that Paul is teaching to the Corinthian church, is there a contradiction in the scriptures? No, Paul knew the scriptures. He would have known the book of Ecclesiastes. And he knows from the word of God that is not in vain. Our work is not in vain. Why? Not because we just do it and we get satisfaction for it. But why do we do it? Knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain. So sister that is out there working away folding those clothes, washing those dishes, working at home, brother that is out there working, and sister that is working in the workforce, and you're, you're just thinking that this is 
pointless. This is meaningless. I'm day after day after day. Guess what? You can have true satisfaction. You can have true joy knowing that you're not working for whoever your boss is. You're working for a higher boss. You're working for the one who is over that person that is over you. Or if you own your own business, you're working for the Lord and not yourself. It's to the glory of God. Praise God that your labor is not in vain when it is done for his glory, knowing that it is in the Lord. And then we see this glimmer of hope where we see where things have been kind of depressing, kind of dark, where wisdom is good, but death comes, where we see that we won't be remembered, where we see that, that all, these tr- all these things, that they come and they're difficult and they're, they seem like vain But then we see this glimmer of hope in Ecclesiastes uh, 24. It says, There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. That right there. There you go. There's our glimmer of hope in the book of Ecclesiastes is that from the hand of God. Because guess what? What we've already read is that he has is, he is sought out wisdom. He has sought out pleasure. That there's nobody in this room that could seek out more pleasure than what, what Solomon. The best and finest foods, the best and finest drinks, the, all the physical pleasures that he could have sought after. We, none of us could, could outdo Solomon in that. But he says this, This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have an enjoyment? He's saying, God is sovereign. He is in control. He gives these good gifts. For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting. Only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. A striving after the wind. And we see that this is reminiscent of that passage, uh, that parable with Jesus. Is that this, this fool, he worked hard, he had a big crop, and he tore down the small barns and big builder, big, built bigger barns and filled them up only for someone else to enjoy it. Only for someone else to enjoy it. We can enjoy the gifts. You can enjoy the gifts. Let me ask you, are you content with your life? Or is there another gadget that you're really wanting right now? Is there another iPhone? Is there another computer? Is there another car? Is there another house? Is there another job? Is there, uh, is there, more, is there more pleasure that you're seeking after? Let us look to the book of Ecclesiastes. Let's, let us look to Solomon and see, know that I search all these things and it will not fulfill me. It will not fill me up. It will not satisfy me. Let us know the truth that is found in his word. See, 1 Timothy 6 says this, 6 through 10. <clears throat> but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. Again, doesn't this sound familiar as we hear the preacher's voice? But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, 
in, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Brothers and sisters, my question is, why bother? We bother, we do the things we do to the glory of God. It is for his glory and our good. When you work, when you toil, when you do life, when you're pouring into the family around you, when you're pouring into the ministries that you've been called to, there is great value in that to the glory of God, to the advancement of his kingdom. That brothers and sisters, this is what we've been called to. We're not to stoop down to what is underneath the sun, but we're to have our gaze above, to look up, to think on things above. When we gaze above, then we won't think about, oh, I just need more pleasure. I need more satisfaction. I need more toys. I need more money. I need more. No, it's how can I use what I have to your glory, God? How can I use these gifts to your glory, God? These resources that you've given to me, how can I grow your kingdom with that? How can I be a blessing to others? How can I give my life away because I know it's for your glory and for my good? And that's the, the kind of oxymoron of the whole life is that when we seek to glorify him, we get peace, we get joy, we get satisfaction. These things that our heart longs for, that what Solomon longed for was only to be found in, in God, in his pleasures, in his gifts. Think about why bother. And I hope you walk away not depressed, not sad, but encouraged that you matter and this life matters and what you do matters to the glory of God that's why it matters if it's anything below that it is vanity of vanities it is pointless and worthless I just think about people in our culture and how, how do you how do you cope if you don't have Jesus if you don't live to the glory of God how do we cope with life because life does appear and feel sometimes so repetitious so pointless so vain but brothers and sisters we have the hope of the gospel that we can have a smile on our face when we read the book of ecclesiastes because we know we have great hope that these treasures they come from the very hand of god that he is sovereign and that he is in control and we need to take these gifts from him and enjoy what he has blessed you with to his glory and to his honor let's pray father thank you